comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Catherine revved up the microwave, I'd piss my pants and forget who I was for a half hour or so. It's 30 minutes away. I'll be there in 10. I'll be there in 10. Is this a five-minute argument or a full half hour? You have 30 minutes to move your car. Your car. You have 30 minutes to move your cube. Your cube. You are listening to a half hour wasted. Events occur in real time. to the My Corona uh, edition of Half Hour Wasted. <laughs> I don't know the l- lyrics to that song, My Sharona. Bill, who sang My Sharona originally? Oh, you'd have to ask right this second, would you? Um, uh, I know. It's, I know that. It's The Knack. The Knack. That's right. Yeah. I was going to say Tommy Two-Tone, but The Knack was my, my second choice. Corona. Okay, that's enough. I just wanted to play a little bit. I'm going to relearn how to play the guitar during my self-quarantine. <laughs> fantastic you know know, it's uh, easier to learn how to play the bass because it's only got two-thirds the strings yeah it's a fun fact a lot of people win a bar bet with that i probably sound better now that i'm holding holding the microphone okay so Um, this is episode 479 479 of half hour wasted we are skyping uh so uh that may be why we sound a little different and we're finally going to get around to talking about rise of skywalker we all saw it in the theaters uh our understanding is that it's coming out on vod very soon if it isn't already and i think we you can get it digitally digitally yeah as of this and recording and I th- especially as of the air date of this episode i'm pretty sure you can get it yeah. digitally So uh, we thought we'd take this opportunity to finally talk about because we never did do a proper show on 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 our thoughts of it. To be honest, we haven't done a proper show on either one of the other ones as well. Yeah, Um, we'll we'll do general thoughts first. Then uh, we'll each do a a deep dive into what we like, didn't like, etc. And then we'll talk about how it fits uh, in the whole trilogy in all nine movies, how, how it uh, end caps the Skywalker saga. Uh, so I will go ahead and get this puppy, this ball rolling, general thoughts, uh, and I'll keep it brief. Uh, I was very disappointed. I did not like this movie. I thought it failed as an end cap to the Star Wars trilogy. It had some, it had some fun moments. I'm not going to say it, it was a hundred percent terrible, but I, I feel that it failed the saga as a whole. How many times have you seen it, Frank? I've seen it twice. Bill, how and many times have you seen it? Yeah, twice. Two times. Same with me twice. Is, did I see it a third time? I honestly can't remember. I think I only saw it twice. 
well, we made the usual big deal about going to see it uh, opening day, or you know, sometimes it's you know, twenty two hours into the opening day, but but still, and um, yeah, we went and saw it, um, uh, and I had uh, I had crazy different reactions the first and second time I saw it, because um, I took the kids to see it. We saw it the first time. We walked out. We discussed it. And, um, I don't know, about a week later, I'm like, I'm ready to go see it. I, I need to see it again. I need to find out if I, I think about that movie, what I thought about that movie. And I look at the kids and I go, you guys want to go see rise of Skywalker again? And, and, um, uh, they look at me and go, eh, like, really? It's a star Wars movie kids. And, uh, now they were, uh, they were nonplussed by the idea of going to see it a second time. So I said, okay, fine. I'll go see it myself a second time. And, uh, yeah, I said, I had a, uh, uh, I had a much different, uh, reaction to it, uh, uh, on, upon second viewing than, uh, first viewing. Okay. Your second um, viewing, was it more favorable or less favorable? I would, um, I would say that, um, my first time viewing it, I walked out of the theater and I was, I, I realized that the film had issues and, uh, I realized that, uh, that there was a lot of things that a lot of people are going to nitpick about it. But I, I thought it was a really fun ride. Uh, there was a lot of stuff where you, you look up and your eyes get big and you go, dude, look at that. That is awesome. And that was mainly my reaction to the first movie, not or first viewing, not a perfect movie, but, uh, but wow, look at all that stuff. You know, look at that shot. <laughs> look at those effects and look at that fleet and look at those, look at that cloud cover. Look at that giant floating pyramid and cool. And, um, the second time it felt uh, very much like, um, uh, something that's not going to age well. Um, I kind of sat there and went, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, that doesn't surprise me. That didn't surprise me. And, uh, yeah, I'd say second viewing, uh, I liked it, uh, far, far less than the first time though. I, I will not go as far as Frank and say that I hated it or anything like that. Um, I would say upon my second viewing, it's kind of like what you tell your kids. It's like, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Brad. So I've seen it twice. The first time I watched it, I felt much the same way that I felt when I saw the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie for the first time. I watched nice. it. I was overwhelmed because there was so much that was going on. And I thought... I honestly don't know if I like this or not, so I need to see it again. Mm -hmm. So I saw it a second time. The first time I saw Rise of Skywalker, visually, I was just blown away. I was excited, obviously, because it's a new Star Wars movie. <clears throat> there were just some visual, wonderful, wonderful visual moments in it. And also much like the first time I saw Infinity, no, 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 Endgame, I did not react emotionally to the movie until I saw it a second time. The second time okay. I saw Rise of Skywalker, I was able to feel things and I was able to cry and get angry at certain things. So, generally speaking, I did not hate this movie. I did not love this movie. There were things in the movie that I loved, and there were things that were in the movie that I hated, and yet there was nothing about this movie 
that I loved. And to me, that's a distinction. There's things in the movie I loved, but I didn't love anything about the movie. And that makes so sense in my head, that distinction. And I know it's, I know it's hard to explain, but, um, <clears throat> I, well, let's, let's, let's use this as a, uh, as a jumping on point about stuff we did love, because, uh, while I did go out and say, I hated it, there, there are scenes that I love. And the one in particular, and we can all comment on it is the, uh, uh, is the laser sword fight on the sunken death star. And uh, the emotional impact that had and the reveal of Han Solo uh, coming in as a memory. Uh, that part to me was definitely my favorite, favorite part of the movie. I really kind of felt uh, uh, I felt the weight of the characters and the ocean kind of crashing around them and stuff. That that whole segment of the movie uh, really did speak to me. And I loved that. I think it's really interesting how uh, Abrams was able to craft together whole scenes that were kind of stunning, um, but not apparently able to weave the whole thing together into a nice satisfying tapestry. Um, and it was, it was almost like, uh, it, it was, it was almost like the star Wars version of a sketch show. It was like, okay, here's, here's a, you know, here's this one sketch. And then, okay, now it's done. And now we're going to go to this next sketch. And it just didn't, it didn't feel woven together um, uh, in the way that you, you know, you know we've gotten used to um, uh, having. Um, geez, even the uh, prequels uh, managed to do that. Isn't it amazing that uh, people are asking George Lucas to come back and save the franchise now? <laughs> well, okay, here's, here's my thoughts about, and I was going to save this for the end, kind of, but... It ties in with what Bill just said. I think the main problem with this movie and the entire sequel trilogy as a whole is that there was not one guiding voice behind all three movies. George Lucas wrote the story for episodes four, five, and six. He wrote the story for episodes one, two, and three. He didn't direct all of four, five, and six, but he wrote the story from beginning to end. He wrote the story for one, two, and three. While he didn't direct them that well, you can you can say with some certainty that the story worked because he wrote the entire thing. The problem with the sequel trilogy is that one person did not write the entire story for the trilogy. That is the main problem. I loved The Last Jedi. I loved it. Same I, here. I adore that movie. But they did not, that was a whole movie's worth of screen time that did not really advance a story that could be told over a, an entire trilogy. And so when J.J. Abrams, God bless him, he had a huge insurmountable obstacle to overcome, which is please the fans and make the story complete and I don't think he was able to do that. He <coughs> he tried. He certainly tried. And I'm not mad at him. But like Bill, I'm just disappointed. Not at J.J. Abrams, but at the <laughs> outcome of the story. Well, so, it, it seems it seems interesting to me that um, I I guess if you're you know, I, I don't want to blame anybody. You know, like, I, I don't want to be the, you know. I don't want to be the fanboy that's like, I'm just here to just pick things apart and, you know, well, this is why I hated this. And it's like, no, that's not it. 
But uh, it is very interesting to me that we think that Kathleen Kennedy uh, botched this the first chance she got. Um, you know, she was kind of given the reins of, of the empire, you know, no pun intended, um, once George bowed out. And she did not provide, uh, you know, she did not provide leadership. Um, she did not provide a direction. She did not provide the, the sequel trilogy with a consistent voice. I mean, this is, this is on her um, for, you know, letting Abrams basically uh, uh, reboot um, Star Wars. And then she brings in a radically different voice, the second movie. And I, um, that's really cool that you guys liked uh, The Last Jedi. I just, I found The Last Jedi from beginning to end just a frustrating mess. And um, I just, I, I, I have tried to watch that movie with an open mind and, and say, okay, this, these are good things about it. I just, I just can't. I just, I just don't like that movie. I, I don't like, you know, I, I understand that it's, it's, you know, creating characters that are more human and more flawed and this and that. And, uh, I, I certainly don't hate, uh, a, a you know, a, a well-rounded broad character. Um, but it just seemed like from what we found, you know, of them in the first movie, what they did in the second movie didn't make much sense to me. And then, uh, then again, the third movie, they're completely different uh, characters and, you know, the same actors, same character, but they have completely different motivations and it just, it, it didn't feel consistent at all. And I think that was the, you know, again, not making me angry at anything, just making me shake my head and go, what, what is going on? Which, which version of these characters is supposed to be the real version? And we can only assume, you know, we have to assume now that the, the real version of these characters is the final version of these characters, the Rise of Skywalker version, which, you know, it does basically invalidate what they did, like you were saying, in The Last Jedi. Uh, anybody who's read um, the Thomas Covenant books, I'm sorry, this is just a slight diversion here. But anybody who's ever read the uh, the Thomas Covenant series, there, there's three, there's two trilogies and then a quadrilogy to finish up. But the second trilogy, uh, the first and second trilogy were written back to back, basically from 1976, 77 up to about 83. And in the second trilogy, the second book called The One Tree um, is an interesting collection of adventures, but you could literally take that book or throw it away and it would not affect the way the trilogy plays out in any way. It could have been two simple books. And spoiler alert, at the beginning of The One Tree, uh, the second book of the second uh, trilogy, they start on a quest, which takes them overseas, which is a thrilling idea because we had not left the land, the setting of the books to that point. And at the end of the book, they come back having failed on their quest, and they literally end up at the end of the second book right with started. And it's like, other than... Uh, you know, there are some plot points that do come to play in the final, uh, the quadrilogy that he uh, started like 20 years after that. Um, but, uh, but through the third book, it's like, you didn't need the second book at all. You could have gone from the first book straight to the third book and nobody would have noticed. And I think it's the same thing. So to bring the tugboat back to shore, that's how I feel about this, uh, the sequel trilogy is that you could literally just, just cut the last Jedi out and I don't think you would miss a whole hell of a lot. So, uh, Bill, I want to I want to uh, jump in and defend Kathleen Kennedy because I don't think it was her fault. She's in charge of Star Wars, certainly, but Disney is in charge of Star Wars. 
And Disney um, obviously wants to maximize profits and make sure <laughs> yeah. there's a large uh, audience going to see this. And uh, I think putting pressure on her and the staff and stuff is just make this good by any means necessary and make sure everyone is happy with it is a huge task. And, and as someone who's running that organization, I think, I think this is, I have, I'm basing this on nothing. I just think that, that she was given a task that just, she couldn't, uh, she couldn't achieve because the people at Disney wanted certain things ticked off. And, and that's where I struggle a little bit with this, with this movie, with the whole bringing back of the emperor, which it is that that's a fine story beat, but I just don't feel that that was ever established in the first two movies. Uh, Brad. So my biggest problem with this movie is the fact that when it starts, we are told in the opening crawl that the emperor's back and he's alive. So, what I didn't get to experience was the fear and the terror that the characters feel when they realize, oh my goodness, Palpatine is still alive. What in the universe are we going to do? When this movie started, they all knew he was back. I think they missed a huge opportunity to bring drama and to scare us as as viewers and in Star Wars fans that this evil that we thought was long gone has returned. And if one voice had written this entire story for the trilogy, if the intent was to bring the emperor back, seeds would have been planted in episode seven and nothing was planted in seven or eight to force foreshadow the return of the emperor personally <clears throat> I loved seeing the Emperor again. I loved it. I just thrilled me to death. But the way they did it was a huge, huge misfire. Huge misfire. Agreed. Now, there are, there's a novelization that's just been released. I will read it. I have not read it. Read it. But apparently, a lot of the questions that we had as viewers after seeing the movie are answered in the novelization. I've always read novelizations of all these Star Wars movies because they kind of fill in gaps. There's some really cool things. But if you have to go to a book to get 90% of the answers for the questions you had after watching the movie, then that's a problem. Yeah, I agree. So and, We can agree on that. As much as the, I loved seeing the Emperor, the way they brought him back, the lack of drama and fear and surprise was a big misfire. The um, the fact that Ray now in in... In The Last Jedi, uh, it, it was established uh, that, you know, her parents were nobodies. And for me, that, that, was, that, that was a refreshing take. I, I'm not the first one to say this, but she, that means that, that anybody can be great. Anybody can be a Jedi. You don't need a lineage. You, anybody can be a hero. And that ending shot with, with the kid looking at the stars and, and holding his broom like a lightsaber, to me, that, that was a very powerful image. And I was just like, wow. I mean, anybody, you don't have to be related to, uh, to greatness. You can be great on your own. But then this one goes ahead and swaps it and goes, no, you do have to be related to a lineage. You do have to be a Palpatine. You do have to be a Skywalker to be great. I, that's it. That, 
I didn't. I didn't take that. I disagree. Quite as literally, as you did. I disagree um, because Finn has force sensitivity, so he's on his way. He he was nothing. Mm-hmm. Well, and but he had he's not. He's not great. He, he's going to be a hero eventually. I mean, he has heroic tendencies, uh, but I mean, to be a real mover and shaker. Uh, you have to be related to to someone. This is my takeaway. You have to be related to to this lineage, like a like a king or something. Well, that's, see, that's, I'll disagree with that because you had thousands of years of the Jedi Order, and very clearly they were not all related to the Skywalker lineage. Um, I just I, I think that you know what what you got in the Last Jedi was was really. Uh, was one of the, the the better beats of that movie is that hey you know you too can can be something I just to me that felt like very you know pandering almost to the audience um, you know making sure that all the millennials know that they can feel special too it's like no <sighs> millennials um, you can be special you are special you don't need someone to tell you that you don't need that to be reinforced constantly through you know through through social media and through popular culture um just just love yourself for who you are and you don't need to wait for that kind of validation from outside um you know i just the, the idea that uh, someone has to tell you that you can be special i think is a disturbing note just in society in general uh, you know, I just I think there's a lot of, uh, for some reason, the stupid society these days uh, has convinced people that uh, that they're not, and I don't know exactly why or how that's changed. Um, but I, I think a lot of the the messages of the Last Jedi to me felt like kind of pandering to the, this current you know this current generation that uh, that you know needs you know safe spaces and, and you know the the Last Jedi was an attempt to appeal to the safe space culture. And um, I just I, I never felt that, that was necessary. Um, I just I felt that, that the last Jedi was so dark and so nihilistic um, that that you know the, to me the lesson of the last Jedi was that um, you know it's inevitable and you're all screwed. Um, Why do you, you know, keep the, bringing this back to the last Jedi? We're talking about I, I'm, we're talking about okay, the Rise of Skywalker. Right. Compared to the Last Jedi, I think the Rise of Skywalker was a breath of fresh air. And I did truly appreciate uh, a lot of things about the Rise of Skywalker on that basis, if nothing else. Um, I I don't remember. I'm trying to remember if I was thrilled, you know, phys- you know, thrilled by stuff that happened uh, in the Last Jedi. Sorry, last time I mentioned that. Um, but I was uh, at uh, the Rise of Skywalker, man. That I mean, there were so many things about the Rise of Skywalker that I really did think were really, really cool. And whether or not they served the story well, who the heck knows? But um, man, the opening sequence—I I read a review of it—and it's like, oh, the first thirty minutes doesn't even need to happen. It's you know, and, and I'm sitting there going, but the third, the first thirty minutes of the movie was awesome. Uh, watching Kylo Ren uh, just go freaking medieval you know, through an entire squadron of an army of a whatever, and then, you know, finding Exegol and, you know, the, the gigantic pyramid that's floating six feet off the ground or whatever it was. I just, you know, the visuals were, were, were so cool. And I, I love the fact that okay, I, I, you've now I, established that I, he is so, a sorry, bad, sorry to interrupt, bad but, man. But I, I just, I just want to say that the, the visuals are great, but I mean, that, 
that's what um, like uh, uh, Batman versus Superman was. It was all visuals. It looked cool, but it didn't serve the purpose of the story. I mean, essentially what you're describing, Bill, is a screensaver. <laughs> I, again, I, I think what I'm describing is a series of... Uh, a series of sequences uh, that were edited together to form uh, a singular movie. And a number of those sequences uh, uh, did thrill me on a, a very visceral and mental level. Uh, I said, I, a lot of this movie did work for me. Um, I just, as a whole, as you know, because you have to consider this movie in the context of it being the end cap to the previous two movies. You have to do that. You know, that, that's what it is. And, and so in the context of the greater whole, you know, there is some disappointment. Now, I, I don't want to, it's not, it's not bitter disappointment. Um, uh, but um, it's just like, well, you know, I, I can see that, you know, this is obvious. J.J. Abrams had a hopeless task. You cannot please everybody. It's literally impossible, literally. And so I, I don't blame him for not scoring an A plus and a 98% of Rotten Tomatoes. That was never, ever going to happen. So, you know, I, I, I tried to enjoy it for what it was, and I, I was thrilled by it the first time. The second time, it felt uh, it felt without all the, the revelation, you know, going on because you'd already seen the movie. Uh, it did feel a little more color by numbers to me, um, but that doesn't invalidate the fact that I thought that there were a number of these sequences that were visually incredible, and I can certainly see where they spent the budget. You know, now Brad, you had a point. Yeah couple of things first off i know you just gave us the five minute mark but i would like to keep going because i think we should just have this whole discussion in one episode are you guys okay with that all right um i wanted to briefly touch on the fact that you talked about uh, ray being related to palpatine i have zero problem with that i thought from the very first uh movie episode seven that all this Jedi stuff is coming way too easy to her. And the fact that she's related to Palpatine in some way makes that much easier for me to deal with. And I have zero, zero problem with it whatsoever. Um, Bill said something about this movie was basically a bunch of sequences, visually exciting sequences stitched together. Um, That I think is a very appropriate description there were several things in this movie that I loved and a lot of them were bits and sequences that happened. Um, you know, I loved seeing, uh, Ray and Kylo at the end fighting together, uh, with the emperor, like Frank, I loved seeing Kylo Ren and Ray fighting each other on the, the death star thing. I loved, um, so much, so many things in the movie. And then there were things I hated. Like the thing that I hated the most was the kiss at the end between, yeah, between Kylo and, and Ray. So, okay. There's two ways to look at this, that it was a romantic kiss, that it wasn't a romantic kiss. And on a side note, apparently the novelization goes to great lengths to point out that there was no romance at all uh, in the kiss whatsoever. But leaving that aside, you don't know that. To me, the kiss came across as passionate, and yet there was zero 
sexual tension between those two characters to up to this point in all three of the movies. That is in, true. In my opinion, zero. So yes. I thought that was merely fan service, and it disgusted me that they <laughs> that they went that far. Disgust. Okay, that's a that's a. It disappointed me. Disgust is a tough word. It disappointed me that they did that because there was no setup to that whatsoever. Um, I loved seeing the fourteen thousand ships that, that yeah. showed up at the end. I loved it. I love the fact that we got to hear the Jedi's voices and even Jedi's from like the Clone Wars animated series and the Rebels animated series. Oh, that was just so great. I loved seeing Han Solo come back as a as a mind thing. I loved it. Hey, kid. That was just great. <laughs> um, another thing, and I'll just I'll keep it brief. Just one thing that I was disappointed in. And happy about it at the same time. I loved seeing Princess Leia, but I think technically, from a technical standpoint, bringing her back into this movie from a production standpoint was not up to spec. I don't think it worked for people like us who understand visual production, video production and editing and composition of shots. I don't think it worked great. But also from a dialogue standpoint, it seemed like a lot of these scenes were written around footage of her. Obviously, they were, but around dialogue that already existed, and a lot of it felt forced. Oh, for sure. Let me, let me, yeah, let let me throw this out there and see what you guys think about it. And this is all in hindsight. Would it have been better to hire another actress to play the Carrie Fisher part? and do the story that they wanted and just kind of you have to accept that this is a new actress playing Carrie Fisher. If you had asked uh, me before the movie came out, I would have said, heck no. <laughs> but now having seen it, I would have, I'd be like, yeah, I think I might've wanted to see that. You could have gotten, even if you went so far as to do the visual trickery, which in my opinion, wasn't up to snuff in Rogue One when we saw Tarkin. Even if you went that far, <clears throat> I might have preferred that over what I thought was just forced incompletion of her being in this story. It really felt not cobbled together that with her. Poor Carrie Fisher and her family. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm sorry she passed away, and I'm sorry that the fans didn't get, she didn't get to to finish this scene that's important to us. Uh, but it, it almost feels like, um, you know, if we want to tell the story we want to tell, we have to make some sacrifices, and that is, we have to replace the actress or do, or 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 animate it in a respectful way. Uh, I, I don't know what the answer is to that. I know those filmmakers probably struggled with that too. I'm sure they thought about it and just felt well, this was probably the best way to go. Well, we know that, um, that, that Kelly, uh, Kelly Marie trans, uh, character had a lot more than what 76 seconds of screen time. Um, they had whole scenes written out, you know, the intention was for her and Leia to kind of command everything from the base. Like you've seen in countless other star Wars, you know, joints. And, um, when they realized that it wasn't working, apparently they, they kept what they felt could work, which was just, 
it was it was very very weird to watch it because you knew that that wasn't her you knew she wasn't really there and you knew that maybe they'd capture her saying you know all of her dialogue was sentence fragments it was absolutely generic speak it could have you know what she said could have been a reaction to almost anything anybody else said and and it clearly was not part of the conversation it was you know i mean you could tell by the inflection of her voice you could tell by you know everything about those sequences that uh, uh that yeah uh frank that's interesting i had never considered the idea that maybe they would recast the role but um uh you know that might have been a, a an equitable solution for everybody that, that happened in one of the harry potter movies didn't it dumbledore didn't, well, dumbledore yeah. dumbledore got replaced but they just they just recast his character and you know Nobody, you know, you know, but you know, obviously people knew, but Dumbledore, it, it didn't affect the story. Dumbledore didn't have 35 years of history behind yeah, him true. either. You know That's what I mean? True. So I understand both sides of this. I understand wanting to not replace her and to try to make it work. I get it. And I appreciate that. And it warms my heart that they did that to out of love for her. But it yep. just the fact is for Brad, it didn't work 100 percent. There was one scene in particular with uh, Greg Grunberg's character, uh, snap Wexley, you know, he's, he and JJ Abrams are buddies. So that's why he was yeah. in these movies. But there was one scene with him and, and, and Ray and Leia that when it was done that I was, I turned to my kid and I was like, what even just happened in that scene? Because none of that made any sense. So, yeah. um, hey, well, well, I will say this one thing that, that we have, uh, uh, we have accomplished in this episode is you two have made me want to go back and see this for a third time. You know what? I will buy the DVD or the Blu-ray. <clears throat> I will buy it. I will watch it again because, as I've said, there are several things in this movie that just tickle me to pieces. But as a whole, as a unit, as a capping of the Skywalker saga, for me it kind of fell short. But you know what? During my my self quarantine. I'm going to go back and, and watch all eight of the movies in, nice. in, in preparation for the, for the Blu-ray to come out, which I will buy. And I will say again, I know I shouldn't, but I will never, ever, ever purchase or watch rogue one. Again, it was a garbage movie. Oh my God. <laughs> Let's, uh, could, I, I don't know how you could be more wrong about that. With um, that said, what? Well, let, let, let's use this opportunity since Brad kind of brought it up about the whole trilogy as a whole and how this fits into it. And, and it did uh, feel good on the uh, whole. On the yeah. whole. <laughs> on the whole, it feels... Well, I could say on the whole, for me, it didn't feel good. I am not... Uh, <laughs> we were a complete failure. Uh, let, let, let me kind of... Uh, I'll, I'll let you guys take it up. But it for me, you know, the, the and I think the failure kind of comes in the fact that, that we lost Carrie Fisher and, and that they had to work with what they had. And yeah. I also feel like they they wanted to make sure some fan service was, was paid and, uh, uh, um, and that this movie was made more, uh, for financial gain than for story gain. Um, it's just like, get it in, get it in, get the spectacle in, get it in, make sure everyone's happy. Uh, for me, that it, it it brings the it it brings these nine movies to a very unsatisfying ending, and and it's just like you know you you want a story or a fable or 
anything to have a big giant ending that you can you can kind of go that was a ride like yeah like um uh the lord of the ring trilogy um you know to where it 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 ends and you feel good about it i just didn't feel i just didn't feel good about it you know we, we spent 30 40 years with the series and and it just it just ended for me much like the the matrix trilogy it just thumped ending and and it 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 it's not satisfying to me. Um, you know, I know there's other media out there. I know there'll be books and comic books, and and I'm glad those exist. But uh, uh, I'm just I'm I'm just sad with the way this ended. And uh, you know, my love for Star Wars will will always exist. Uh, but for this particular one, it's just like I, I just wanted the Skywalker saga to be, and I don't know what that is, but I just wanted it to be something else. And I know it wasn't this in but fact i would i, I would have been i would have been a hundred percent okay with instead of them having ending with movie nine just doing a nine and a ten just do two more movies i mean do it right you know people people will see another star wars movie well i guess solo maybe <laughs> I except, solo. even though i, I, I love solo, solo was too. great i love solo <laughs> but uh you know the the audience wasn't there for it um yeah. but anyway it just you know, I don't blame anyone other than than the fact that that the committee involved was maybe too interested in Can I, making money, not making a good story. I want to piggyback on your blame comment, and this is merely a oh crap, shoot. Okay, I got to deal with that later. Um. Uh. The blame comment. If if we as fans of anything in life, if we feel like we need to blame somebody for our disappointment in something, then I think we need to reexamine what exactly is Im- Im- the most important thing in our lives. You know what I mean? And I suppose to bring it back to all this nonsense going on in the world right now with the virus and everything... It's, you know, I hope out of all this, we kind of gain a perspective of, of what's really important. And that what I'm not saying is that we should stop enjoying things like Star Wars movies and we should stop enjoying our favorite TV shows and our favorite comic book characters. But I think it's important that we remember what's really important in life. And I don't feel like I need to blame anybody for my disappointment in the way the Star Wars saga ended. I just have to accept that that's the way it is and yeah and find something else like you know what I can always go back and put in episodes 4 5 and 6 and then shut my TV off and feel complete. You know what I mean? <laughs> I agree with you 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I'm I'm you know, I'm not looking, you know, I'm not I'm not demanding that anybody satisfy me. Right. You know, um and 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 again, you know, I'm I'm not uh I'm not by that measure. I'm not unsatisfied with the conclusion. I just think it's uh, you know a bunch of interesting choices that uh, that they made that um, didn't work for me. But on the whole, you know, thank you for uh, thank you for being their Star Wars movies. Um, you know, wouldn't have minded if uh, you know. Do you guys want to take another year or two to kind of make sure you've got all your ducks in a row? Feel free. You know, these movies are going to live forever. You know, uh, don't be in a rush. Um, and uh, I guess uh, it, those it are just, wise it, words. Don't be in a rush. 
you know, it just, well, it's the same thing with, uh, with comic books. Um, you know, people, you know, will complain that, oh man, you know, this comic book is shipping two weeks late. It's like, well, would you, would you rather them rush it and just slap it together and get it out of time? Or this, this, this non-perishable, durable good, which is that theoretically will last until the end of time, to the end of human civilization, you know, are you going to think to yourself when you're rereading this comic 10 years from now or rewatching this movie 10 years from now or rereading this book 10 years from now, you know, is your first thought going to be, dang it, that thing showed up a month late? Or are you going to think, this is really good? Um, so, you know, I, I, I don't know that they were felt rushed. I just, I, I would just caution anybody to, to say, you know what, let things, and again, that kind of plays into this stupid world we're living in right now. Where you know what, take your time, do it right, and uh, I think that's kind of uh, kind of where we are uh, right now with all our our social distancing and all that nonsense. We're we're overreacting, um, you know, trying to make it right, and um, sometimes uh, you know you wouldn't mind counseling uh, Kathleen Kennedy and J.J. Abrams and Brian uh, Johnson stuff to you know just make sure this is what you want, and uh, we'll be here for it. You, know, you want to put it out in May, you want to put it out in November, you know, whatever, we'll be there. Whenever you put it out, because that's what we do. Um, um, this quick, to me, this quick. felt a lot like the the Dune series. I'm sorry, I'll wrap this up super quick. Um, where um, uh, Frank Herbert wrote the first six books, and they were amazing. And uh, then, much like Tolkien, um, you know, he died before he told the entire story. And uh, years after the fact, his son, you know, his family finds notes that flesh out the entire story. And uh, uh, so Kevin J. Anderson and Brian Herbert get together and they start writing these books and they do end up finishing the, the trilogy uh or they end up finishing the series after they do a couple of prequel you know trilogies big surprise how's that play into star wars and um i found them satisfying because i was interested in finding out where the story went um it was unsatisfying because it was not the same it was it was not frank herbert's prose it was clearly you know his ideas but only peripherally um so in the way that I'm, I'm kind of a fan of fake history, you know, which is what happens when you're reading a fiction book. Um, I want to know, you know, what the author intended and, and just in the case of star Wars as well. And, uh, again, while I might've been disappointed with a thing or two, or I thought maybe it wasn't handled quite as, as smoothly as it could have been. It's the exact same thing with the Dune books. Uh, glad to have gotten to the end of the story. And, um, I'll make my peace of the fact that it wasn't handled as well as the original creator, uh, would have done it or possibly, you know, or certainly would have intended it to happen. So, um, you know, thank you for being there. And if it's my problem, you know, with the movie, cool. That's good. I can, I can live with that. Um, quick, quick, uh, a quick technical question about, about the movie. Uh, see what you guys think. Uh, why in your mind did Kylo... Uh, uh, become a disappear like a force ghost. That that uh, that I haven't been able to understand. I have I mean, he, re- he, uh, he redeemed himself. There has sure, been some inconsistency but... on who disappears and who does not. Okay. Right. I think it has everything to do with his redemption arc. I think that he had he had completely and wholly uh, uh, gone over to the light side. And much in the same way that you can, you know, ask for forgiveness on your deathbed, I think it's the same kind of idea. Okay, you can you can you can receive, you know, said uh, said forgiveness, and you know, you can enter into the kingdom, yada yada. Uh, if you if you truly, you know, if you truly believe it, 
you know, if you're truly invested in it. I don't think it matters when you become, you know, invested when you believe. Um, I thought that was, the, now I will say this, um, nine Star Wars movies. Um, I, uh, I never cried uh, once, but uh, I will say that um, I got as emotional as I have ever gotten watching a Star Wars movie um, at the end of Kylo's Redemption. Uh, at the end of that battle, you know, on the ship with the waves crashing around them, that, that incredible, you know, visual sequence that you were describing earlier, Frank, um, when he is laying there and he has, you know, you don't realize, you know, yet that he has given his life. You know, he has he has gone over to the, to the light side and he has, he has saved Ray and he has helped her and, you know, his head is in her lap and you're hoping that he's not dying, but you're afraid he is. And that moment where, you know, he absolutely comes over to the dark side and he is forgiven for everything and he realizes that he has he has the love of this other human which is you know he clearly has been you know uh, he, he was a child who was his 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 his, his, his growth as a human was stunted by all the evil and the the release that he feels when she accepts him and forgives him and loves him uh, God dang it! I'm I'm doing it again. Um, I'm, I'm I've got goosebumps on my uh, forearms right now. But uh, that's that 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 two or three seconds where he has been forgiven and his soul is now at peace. And just I, I wish I could remember the, the dialogue between the two. But man, I welled up big time. I don't I don't remember if tears were going down my face, but uh, and I certainly wasn't sobbing or anything, but. Um, that was as emotional, I think, as I have ever been uh, in a Star Wars movie. And uh, I would like to thank J.J. for bringing that scene uh, to me, I guess. Um, so it wasn't a total loss. Um, there were a lot of things I really liked about that movie, and I've struggled with how many reverse flashes to give it in, in, in toto. Um, my, my first thought was uh, three. I, I don't know if three and a half is too much. I, I might go 3.25 if we're parsing like that these days. I've forgotten if we're, we're giving out quarters of reverses of flashes. <laughs> it, it's whatever you think it, it warrants. I would go. I I would do three point two five reverse flashes out of five. That's what I would do. What's halfway? Is uh, I would say three is just average. Or I mean, two and a half or three. I, I'm I'm going to say that this movie is above average, but it's not. You know, it's not knock it out of the park. I'll give it a flat three. Because I didn't love it yeah. and I didn't hate it. Fair enough. Uh, I would give it two reverse flashes. Interesting. You actually disliked it. Uh, uh, Phantom Menace is much more entertaining. Attack huh. of the Clones much more uh, entertaining than than this movie because it, <sighs> it 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 had. I realize it had a lot to um, to do. Uh, it, it had to stick the landing, and it did not. And, I, I and, guess I'm and, giving it and a... you know, if you're put in charge of of ending a a saga like this, uh, I mean, you just have to take your time with it. I, that's all I can say. I mean, it it, it it's like a uh, I mean, it, it, it's just like a holding a wedding. You know, you you pre pro that, and because you only got one shot at this baby. And, uh, and, and you just got to make sure everything is right and everything's where it needs to be. And then you do it. Um, you know, it felt like, like we have to hit that release date. We have to, it, to me, 
and, and I'm not ignorant. I know it's always about money, but it just it just kind of felt like, you know, Disney bought the the Star Wars franchise, and they were going to make sure that they squeeze every single penny out of it, no matter what, and as fast as they can. And uh, it, to me, uh, especially with this last one, it feels like that to me. Since we're at the end of our episode and the end of our discussion, I would like to ask you guys in particular about your feelings about the end of the movie where Ray is on Tatooine at the old Lars homestead. I liked that scene a lot. I loved seeing Force Ghost Leia with her brother, and I loved seeing her brand new lightsaber made out of her staff. I thought that was great. Was the end kind of silly when the old lady comes up and goes, who are you? And she goes, I'm Ray, Ray Skywalker. Was that silly? Possibly. But did it tickle me a little bit? Yeah, it did. Brad, I, I'm with you. Uh, uh, I did love the ending. If I could change one thing about it, uh, I, I would have had uh, Ray just say her name was Ray and just not Skywalker. Just like, just accept that she is her own person. Well, they had uh, to bring brave. in the title "Rise of Skywalker." Yeah, somehow. they did. They did. They did. Yeah, and, I, I, and thought, I get that. But I mean, it's uh, it, it, it. I thought that I thought the ending was beautiful, poignant, and I don't think, uh, other than my my one note about her name, I don't think I would have ended it another way. I yeah. thought it was beautiful. I thought. Um, I thought the the. The, the Ray Skywalker uh, Skywalker bit was mildly cringeworthy, but uh, I didn't like you know stand up and flip the screen off or anything. <laughs> <laughs> if there was a table in front of you, <laughs> yeah, if I might have thrown the table over though. The table, dude. If there was a card table in front of me, it might have done a, a three hundred and sixty. Yeah, absolutely. We we need to carry a card table with us wherever we go, just so we can flip the table yeah, for so anything. You yeah. Know. Oh my god, that is such a great idea. <laughs> I'm going to start doing that. All right. I'm going well, to Costco right now. I'm going to see what I, if I can get a good deal on a card table. Just you order it online and get curbside pickup. Preferably one with, with, not, so much, with not so much coronavirus. All right, let's wrap okay. this up. All right, great. Well, thank you very much for listening to Half Hour Wasted. Uh, if you'd rate and review us on iTunes, give us five stars and... Uh, leave a review, not of the show, but of your favorite sandwich and why. That'll confuse people. Good idea. And uh, <laughs> and uh, gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, yada, yada, yada. Uh, until next week, which will be episode 480. We don't know what we're going to talk about, but until next week, I'm Frank. I'm Brad. Does a patty melt count? And we'll see you next time on Half Hour Wasted.